Thanks so much to Pastor Muriel and Leslie O'Connell for recording worship this week and to Greg Buck for reading our parable that Jesus tells us today. Before we get to that, though, think what these three different groups of people have in common. Teenagers, those who are living in their own home, but who may be starting to have some health challenges, and only children. Any ideas? Well, they, they may be all people who are a little stubborn at times, who maybe are a little independent and not willing to accept help or not willing to listen to any other outside um, suggestions or opinions or thoughts. Now, for sure, you can understand with teenagers and those who are older, only children, I'm one of them. That's just like a whole separate category. Um, but maybe you can relate. Maybe there's some times in your life where either in the situation or around a certain person, there was just something within you that would rise up and you would default to what it is that you thought you knew based on your experience, based on what you had learned and um, acquired from from your world of learning, and and even though someone was coming at you with a different perspective or a different way of doing something, you held on strong to the way that you thought would be the best way forward, best for yourself, best for the situation, whatever. You were not giving in. I think that's probably a human problem. It's a human problem within us and for all of us, um, for all people of the world at various points in our lives and throughout history. Although there is a part of the normal flow of human development where it is natural for those teenagers to start to let go a little bit from the amount of dependence that they have on those who have cared for them and who have loved them and have provided for all that they need in order to start doing a little bit more themselves, in order to start taking care of themselves and what they need in such a way. And that can be a really hard process for those who raise them and love them and for the teenager going through that process too as they want to have more control, want to have more say over their life and their decisions and want to be taken seriously, want um, others to, to, to listen to what they think and um, uh, hear their ways of how something could be done or approached or, or perceived. In our life, there are so many times in which we're in that same spot and we never want to be looked 
down upon. We don't want to be rejected or um, made to look foolish. And, and so sometimes in our, our quest for being able to have control, be um, experts at all things, being able to do all things for ourselves, we also start to forget about that balance in life. And we start to go from being completely dependent to the very opposite extreme and becoming or seeking to become completely independent, completely independent on those around us and especially on God and thinking that we can do it all ourselves. What need do we have for each other or God? And that's what trips us up. That's always the problem that we as humanity face in our lives. And sometimes we might not even be aware of it. We might not even realize it. And so sometimes the power of these stories that, that Jesus tells is that it allows all of us to take this large step back and to look at um, a situation to look at maybe a person or a group of people, maybe a group of personalities that are at that point where they're refusing, they're wanting to run away from, go their own way instead of this way that maybe God leads us to. A little bit less dependence, but a little bit more independence but then ultimately this point where we realize that others become dependent on us too and that we still need to become dependent on them as well. That it's always this give and take. It's this both and. And for sure, we always are dependent upon our God. We can never be without God. So Jesus gets to one more intense parable for us to hear this day and to struggle with. He compares the kingdom of heaven to that of a king who is throwing a wedding banquet for his son. Now we have to just like remember kingdom of heaven is this reality that God has already started. But that is not yet complete. And kingdom of heaven is this multi-spatial sort of reality and place. It is not just something that is above the heavens. It is not just something that is yet to come for us in the future, after we die or after Jesus comes again. It is something both here and now in our living each and every day. And it is something also eternal and transcendent beyond us as well. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who threw a wedding banquet for his son and invited everyone to come. And yet everyone who was invited did not seem to be interested, had other things to do. And even there were some that so actively refused the invitation that they sought violence upon those who were inviting them. Whoa, what a story. You would think that to receive an invitation from a king for their son would be one that you would respond to out of joy for the son, 
or at least out of selfishness to be able to receive like the finest of all feasts, or at least at a minimum out of obligation, out of obligation to the king who rules over you, out of obligation for honor and respect toward the king. And yet none of those are responses by any of the people in the first part of the story. It's as if they are at this point of having it all figured out, having their own priorities and ways, and, and they refuse to see what's right in front of them. And so then, as we hear, the king gets so upset, so angry at how his servants have been treated that the response then is to um, make sure that those who did that are, are also destroyed, that their city is burned. Here's where we have to remember that as we read this story, there's so many different levels on which we read it. There's a story as Jesus tells it to the people that he first told it to, and then four to five decades later as Matthew starts to write all of these stories together and also interpreting them based on what's happening at that point in history and in the, within the people that he's telling them to what had happened in 70 A.D. was the Romans and the Jewish people who had been fighting for a few years prior to that and uh, where the, the Romans had been occupying the land and uh, ruling over them came out in this gruesome, gruesome, horrific of ways through war and through violence, and through tragedy. And ultimately what ended up happening was the destruction of the temple, of the temple that had been built not once, but a second time, because it had been destroyed by the Babylonians who had come in hundreds and hundreds of years before and destroyed it. And so now the very holy, the very place where they believed that God's presence dwelled among them was obliterated to the ground. And so that weighs heavy in the hearts of the people who first hears Matthew tell Jesus' stories. Maybe there's something that Matthew tries to remind all of them of, and us as well, when we come to those points in our lives when we think we have it all figured out, that we're right, that we know the right course of action. To take a step back and to see, are we on one end of a spectrum at one extreme? Or did we remain somewhere in the middle where we recognize that we are always dependent upon God? But it's okay to be a little bit more independent as we seek to figure out who we are and what we believe, and most of all, how we live, but that we're never completely independent. We're never completely independent of each other, and especially not of God. What we are needed to be is a little bit of both, dependent 
on God and each other, but also independent in that we are able to allow others to be dependent on us. Even maybe just a tad God too, in that allowing God to use us, to call us, to invite us, to do the work that God needs us, longs for us to do. There's this part of this story um, that is, is, of course, a story about grace and um, the freeness of that grace. But there is also a part here where there is an obligation for us to respond, to us to do our best to honor and obey and to listen and to follow the invitation that we've received, to not actively refuse it, to not actively choose to go our own way. Think for a second about what children coming for baptism might be wearing. A baptismal garment, this outfit of white, right? And the, the history behind that is that um, uh, in, the, in the New Testament, Paul talks about how when we are baptized, we are baptized into Jesus' baptism, that we are washed and made anew um, and clothed with Christ. And so this white garment is almost this, this symbolic ritual way of acknowledging that, of acknowledging what happens when we are chosen and loved and claimed by God in the waters of baptism, that we put on Christ, um, that it is what we wear. It is what guides us and protects us and teaches us and reminds us of this love that surrounds us and encompasses us. But then, over the course of our lives, what do you sometimes find draped over a casket at the very end of someone's life? It's a white piece of fabric. It's known as a pall. And it serves in the same way that that baptismal garment does. This reminder that even in our dying, we die in Christ's death. But more so than that, we also die into his resurrection. And because of Christ, we have the promise of a resurrection that is ours, not because we did anything to deserve it, but because of Christ. And so when you get to the part about the man who refused to wear a wedding robe, it seems so bizarre as the servants have gone out to collect everyone that they can to come to this banquet, both good and bad. There is a whole sermon right there in that phrase. But as people are welcomed in, you have to imagine that they're not prepared to be at a wedding, let alone the wedding feast for a king for his son. But you have to imagine that the king's already thought of that and that there is this rack of wedding garments of the proper attire for all of those guests to be wearing that they can put on as they enter that banquet hall. But yet, this one man refuses refuses to wear this robe that is right there. What is that about? 
Have you ever had a time in your life where maybe as a child, maybe as an employee, maybe in some other situation, you did something wrong, pretty big, and you knew it was wrong, you knew you messed up, and you knew the judgment was going to come down so harsh on you, and you were a little afraid of what it was going to entail, of whether or not you'd be grounded for life, or whether or not you'd lose your job, whatever. It might have been. And as, as the parent or your boss or whoever found out the news of the situation and you could start to hear that anger rise up within them and as it came out through their heated words, as they got louder and louder and they're yelling toward you, you were waiting, you were waiting to hear what was next. What you heard wasn't this harsh punishment. Instead, it was this voice of someone who, who all of a sudden came out of the blue and, and spoke on your behalf, tried to, to calm the person down and to, to help them to just slow down and maybe hear a little bit more of what was behind it, what you were thinking, or maybe you weren't thinking at the time. And all of a sudden, their words and their actions on your behalf allowed your parent or your boss or whoever to change the punishment that they were going to inflict so that it was much less than what you thought it was going to be. And as you sat there, you kind of became aware of, of both what you had done, of how you had messed up, and how it had hurt, the damage it had caused. But you also became so aware of the power of their presence, of the power of their words and their actions. In changing how that situation went. It was almost like you had put on Christ. There's the image in the New Testament about how when we are before God in judgment, by ourselves, we would never be able to stand up. We would never be able to come out of that. And yet, when we have Christ on us, when we have been clothed in Christ, when we have been baptized and when we have died into his death and resurrection, it has, is as if Christ is this advocate who speaks on our behalf, who, whose grace and whose love allows God to see us and be a little bit more compassionate even when we have sought to go our own way, even when we have refused God, refused to listen or obey, to follow, and most of all, to respond to God's call to us. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Many are called, but few are chosen. It's almost as if God keeps on calling to all of us, to everyone, 
keeps on calling about here's the way that I want you to live. Here's the way that I want you to treat each other. Here's the way that I so desperately want to be close to you. But time and time again, in our humanness, we go the exact opposite way. And we might not even realize it. We might not even know it. We might not even understand it. And yet, God still keeps calling. And when we come to a point where we've been gathered in, and we have to choose where are we going to put the robe on or not, and we realize, hmm, you know, this is the apparel Because by so doing, it not only helps and guides us and protects us in this life here and now, but it is what gives us life in what is yet to come.